thanks for listening to this sermon from Cedar Springs Church. We know life is busy and it's easy to get caught up running in so many directions. At Cedar Springs, we see you and we're with you. We also understand the feeling inside of you for something deeper. In fact, we believe God created us for those deeper things and we want to help you discover them. We want to introduce you to a life lived deeply with God and with others. If you're not already, we invite you to visit us during one of our Sunday worship services. We are all working toward taking our next step to move into deeper faith and community. So come, take your next step with us. We don't want you to settle for life as normal because you were made to live deeply. Good morning. It is good to see you here. If you're new with us, my name is James Forsyth, and it's a privilege to be able to turn with you to God's Word once again in Genesis chapter 17. If you're new with our church, uh, you should know that the way we approach this preaching time is to take a chunk of the Bible and just work our way through it. We like that approach because it stops us from kind of picking and choosing the parts that we want to talk about. So we'll talk about the bits we want to talk about and we'll ignore the bits we don't want, want to talk about. That, that's not the kind of church we want to be. We want to hear what God has to say to us. Now, friends, if we were going to pick and choose what we were going to talk about, we would probably not choose Genesis chapter 17. <laughs> there are some things in here that are strange. There are some things in here that are weird. And so we're going to look at them together. And the hope is that this will be a kind of teaching sermon where we'll learn more about God's love for us and actually better understand some of those things that we do together as a church. So with eyes open, hearts ready to see what God has to say to us, let's go to Genesis 17. I'll read verses 1 through 14, then pick up in verse 22 and read to the end of the chapter. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham." For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with money shall surely be circumcised. So surely, so shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant." Then verse 22, when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham 
Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly Father, come and be our teacher. What is this about? (laughs) How can it possibly have any uh, impact or bearing on on our lives? Well, Lord, we believe that that you are God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God. We believe you are the one who executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. You are the one who loves the refugee. And so, Lord, we pray that in this time, uh, your greatness and your heart would come forth, that we would understand more of your love for us and even understand, Lord, um, how to order our life as a church, before you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, friends, when was the, uh, the last time you were in Costco? Do you go to Costco? What a great and glorious place. Where else in the world can you buy a 72-pack of batteries, chocolate muffins the size of your face, and new tires for your car all in one trip? Huh? Amazing. And so you load up your cart with just an extortionate amount of, you know, produce. You, even, you, you can't go to Costco for one or two things. No matter what you go for, you spend at least $300, okay? So you load up your cart, and then on your way out, what happens? As if from nowhere, a Costco employee appears and demands that, that you show them your, your receipt. I, I like to look guilty, right? kind of pad my pockets, right? Before brandishing a receipt that rolls out like a scroll and proves that my 53-gallon bottle of olive oil is in fact paid for, right? (laughs) The power of of a receipt. (laughs) It's a sign, it's a seal, it is a signal, and it is evidence, it is proof that all is paid for. Well, in these last few weeks, we've seen God make promises to Abraham. God promised Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. That people from Israel and Scotland and America and Ukraine would be blessed through Christ the King. We've seen these great promises that were given to Abraham, but we've also seen that Abraham struggled to believe them. And that's resonated with us. We've heard God say all kinds of amazing things, and sometimes we're not sure what, what, what to believe. We're not sure if we can believe the kind of things we read about in the Bible. Abraham felt the same way. And because he was doubting, here in this chapter, God gives him a receipt. A receipt. A physical marker that proves his promises are going to come true. You ready to look at it? We're going to ask three questions. First, what is it? What is this receipt? Second, what is it? What is it for? What do we do with it? Third, what are we to do with it today? What is it? What is it for? And what do we do with it today?
Let's dive in. Question number one, what is this receipt that God gives to Abraham? In a word, the answer is circumcision. Circumcision, kind of a weird receipt. Uh, not the kind of thing you display on your way out of Costco, for sure. But, <laughs> but look at verse 10, right? This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So the receipt isn't made of paper. It's made of blood. When we looked at Genesis 15 a couple of weeks ago, we said that that's how you sealed a covenant in the Bible. A covenant is just an agreement, an agreement where two parties come, come together. And in those days, you didn't seal such a covenant by like signing a contract. No, you, you sealed it with blood. God had made promises to Abraham and now he gives him this receipt. Think of it a little bit like the rainbow that God gave in Genesis chapter 9. Do you remember back in, in Genesis chapter 9, God had flooded the earth, but then he promised that never again would he, would he destroy the earth with a flood. And then what did he do? He hung a rainbow in the sky to, to point the people toward the fact that he had promised never to destroy the earth again. Isn't that a kind, a kind and beautiful, beautiful gift? A physical marker that helped them believe the promises of God? Well, so here in Genesis chapter 17, God gives Abraham a receipt, a physical marker that will be with him wherever he went. A couple of things that are important to notice about this receipt. First of all, notice with me that the receipt, circumcision, is not a marker of belief. It's not just given to people who have faith. It's not just given to those who, who say they believe the promises of God. We know this because look at verse 12. God commands that this sign is to be placed upon the kids. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. These people are too young to have accepted or rejected anything. And yet the sign is to be placed upon them. Why? Because the, the sign is not a receipt or a statement about what we have done. It's a receipt, a receipt or a statement of what God has promised. You understand the difference between those two things? It's not a statement about what we have done. It's a statement about what God has promised. So when you saw the rainbow, you didn't look up into the heavens and say, oh, there's the rainbow telling everyone that, that I believe in God. <laughs> No, you looked at the rainbow and you said, oh, there's the rainbow telling everyone that God has made promises to us. It's not about what we do. It's about what, what he has promised. And so the sign is placed upon the children. Why? Because the promises belong to them. What God was going to do for Abraham would not just be done for him, but done for his offspring, for his descendants as well. Second, note with me that not only is it not a, a marker of belief, but it's also not a marker of ethnic identity. The sign isn't just to be placed upon Abraham and his immediate family. How do we know this? Well, back in verse 12, God commands it to be placed upon the foreigners for those who are from outside of Abraham's family. Look at verse 12. Every male throughout your generations, born in your house, but with money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring shall surely be circumcised. So it's not a sign or a statement about where you're from. It's a sign or a statement of what God has promised to everyone. Again, think of the rainbow. You didn't look at that rainbow and said, oh, God has just promised to protect me and my clan. 
you looked at that rainbow and were reminded that, that God had promised to protect everyone. So circumcision, what is it? It's not a marker of belief. It's not a marker of identity. Instead, we could call it a kind of, of covenant brand. It is a marker that's to be placed upon all those who are heirs to the promises that God has made. It's to be placed on all those to whom the promises belong. Now we're starting to get into our second question. So let's, let's ask it, what, what is it for? What is the receipt? Well, circumcision, but what is this receipt for? Well, here we see it serving two different functions. Circumcision served two different functions. First of all, it was a sign. God calls it that there in verse 11, a sign of the covenant, a physical marker of the spiritual promises, just like the rainbow that we've already mentioned. Secondly, because it was a sign, it also served as a seal. That's what Paul calls it in Romans 4 verse 11. Now, what, is it, what do we mean by seal? Well, imagine with me for a second, um, a letter with a, a red wax mark on it. And into that wax, the, the king has put his own seal confirming that this letter has come from, from him. That's what we mean by seal. It is a, a confirming mark. It is evidence. It is proof. It is a guarantee that what is being said comes from the king and will in fact come true. And that's what circumcision is, a guarantee that what God had said was true. When you, were, when you saw it, you weren't just assured of what he'd said. You weren't just like remembering, oh, God said some stuff. In the remembering, you were also encouraged and given confidence to believe that these things would in fact come to pass. It didn't just remind them of what he'd said, it gave them confidence and helped them to believe. I like thinking about how the rainbow served the same function. Have you ever wondered what it was like the first time it rained after the flood? Can you imagine the fear as those drops fell? Like, is, is this going to happen again? <laughs> but then you looked to the sky and you saw the rainbow. And you were reminded, not just that God had said he wouldn't do this, but in the reminding, you were given confidence. Oh yeah, okay, it's raining, but we're, we're good. A sign and a seal, a signal pointing to something, but also a mark that helps us believe. God's giving Abraham a physical reminder, a physical guarantee, a receipt that everything he's promised will one day come to be. And so in this weird ceremony, do you not see the beautiful heart of God? The kindness of God, that he's not just content to make promises from afar. I'm going to go over here and say some stuff. He actually wants to help you believe these promises. Like we have a God who isn't just content to, to love us from afar. I'm going to separate myself. I'll be over there loving you from afar. No, he wants to draw near to us and help us receive, help us believe, help us know that, that he loves us. And so last week we saw that, that God is the God who hears. God is the God who hears me. But this week we see God is also the God who wants to be heard. He wants to be heard. And what he wants to say to us is an assurance of his promises and of his love. And to that end, he gives Abraham circumcision, this physical reminder, this receipt that all one day all the promises would come to pass.
So, what is the receipt? Circumcision. What's it for? It's a sign and seal of the promises of God. A receipt he gives us so we'll hear his promises and love. Well, if that's the case, if it's designed to show us something of the beautiful heart of God, why don't we still practice circumcision in a religious sense today? Am I about to announce the weirdest initiative in the history of our church? <laughs> Next week, worship service to remember. <laughs> Mercifully, no, okay? What do we do with it today? Well, we don't circumcise today because we believe the Bible teaches us that we have a new receipt. That circumcision was the receipt of the Old Testament, but we have, a, we have a new receipt in the New Testament. See, circumcision was the sign and seal of that old covenant, the shedding of blood, which ultimately pointed to Jesus who would come. And now he has come and he has shed his blood. On a cross, Jesus died for broken, sinful people like me, like you, like us. And so the shedding of blood in the Bible has been fulfilled. There's no more sacrifice because, well, we sang it, right? Jesus paid it, paid it all. But this doesn't mean as a New Testament people that we're left without a sign. No, because as Jesus establishes his new covenant, the agreement whereby he will save all who look to him in faith, he gives us a new sign, not the receipt of circumcision, but the receipt of baptism. What circumcision is in the Old Testament, baptism is in the New Testament. Paul makes that connection for us in the passage we read, read earlier, Colossians chapter 2. That as the shedding of blood in circumcision pointed toward Jesus who would come, so the washing with water in baptism points toward the promise that God will forgive all who have faith in him. All who have faith in his son. Baptism is a sign and seal of what God promises to all who have faith in him. Now, it's because of this biblical background that we baptize children here in this church. We don't baptize children out of some sort of superstition or out of some sort of tradition. No, we baptize our children because we think that the Bible commands us to. Why? Because the receipt isn't a marker of belief. It's not just to be placed upon those who have faith. Like the rainbow wasn't a statement of what we believe, but a statement of what God had promised. So circumcision wasn't a statement about what we believe, but a statement about what God had promised. And so baptism isn't a statement about what we believe, but a statement about what God has promised and God has made promises to our children. <laughs> Acts chapter two, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children. So we don't think baptism saves our children any more than circumcision saved Abraham. No, was, we believe that these things point us toward the God who saves. We believe that these things point us toward his promises and his love. It marks our children out as heirs of the promise and the promises belong to them. In baptism, God speaks to our kids and to us, assuring us of his promises. 
Quickly, it's also because of this biblical background that, that we baptize people from wherever they're from. <laughs> Why? Because it's not a marker of ethnic identity. It's, it's not a statement about where you're from. It's a statement about what God has promised to everyone. And so baptism is placed upon people from all nations because the promises belong to them. Peter again says so in Acts chapter 2. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For all who are far off, um, whom the Lord our God would call to himself. Jesus commands us, right, to go where? All nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism doesn't mark you as heir of a particular country. It marks you as heir of a particular promise. In it, God is speaking to all the nations on earth, assuring them that he'll save those who come to him in faith. Of course, there is one difference in keeping with the richer New Testament covenant and in keeping with the nature now of the new covenant sign, baptism in the New Testament is placed upon women as well as, as men. God is making it clear to us that his promises are for everyone. So do you see in this the heartbeat of God for us? That he's not just content to make promises from far off. He wants us to know that his promises are true. That he's not just content to love us from a distance. He wants to draw near to us that we might know his love is true. And so he gives us a receipt. We see the rainbow and we know that God will never again destroy the earth. And we see baptism and know that Jesus will save all those who come to him in faith. Okay, I have a list of applications. Let's see how much time we have to get through them. You ready? Number one, in light of all of this, I want to say that Cedar Springs here at this church, we believe baptism replaces circumcision. And so we believe it says, uh, we, we, that's why we baptize our kids. And we believe it says beautiful things about God's promises to us. But we do not believe that this is an essential issue. What does that mean? We don't think this is a salvation issue that everyone has to agree with. And if you don't agree with this, then what are you doing here? No, there are other believers, other churches who believe that, that you should baptize adults when they come to faith. And you know what? They have good reasons and biblical reasons for holding their position. And as a church, we want to be really careful not to make too many issues gospel issues. You know? Not to make every issue a hill we're going to die on. Not to hold on to all of our beliefs with the same amount of certainty and the same amount of determination as if everything is kind of flattened out and equally important. Because friends, it's just, just <laughs> some things are super important, some things are secondary. And so if you don't believe in baptizing children, if you think people should be baptized when they come to faith as adults, just know that you are more than welcome here. <laughs> that your view on baptism isn't a prerequisite to joining our church. Like how stupid it would it be if, if we required things to join our church that aren't required to get into heaven? Right? If it was harder to join Cedar Springs than it was to, to become a Christian, like what kind of mess have we got ourselves in? And so what do we do? Well, together, believing one thing and believing another on these secondary issues, we serve the Lord happily and trust that in heaven, we'll figure all these secondary issues out. Right? 
There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God, and there are no second-class members at Cedar Springs Presbyterian Church. Amen? Amen. Okay. Second, that said, <laughs> this is what we believe. And because we believe this is what the Bible teaches, we believe that it's good for us, that God's commands are good for us. And so if you haven't had your kids baptized, I'd invite you to do so. I'd invite you to have your kids baptized. You can email Andrew Kiesling, andrewkiesling at cspc.net. You can let him know that you'd be interested in learning more about the process. Learning more about the process will we'll walk you through as parents to see if there's the right thing for you and your family. And I'd encourage you to do that. Why? Because baptism isn't a statement about what we believe. <laughs> it's a statement about what God has promised to us. And baptism marks our children out as heirs of this covenant. It tells your kids from their earliest days that God is a God of love who is calling them to himself. And it tells our kids from their earliest days of your desire that they would respond to that God of love by coming to him in faith. And so we believe if they've not been baptized that there's a sense in which they're missing out. We want them to have this receipt. We want them to have something to lay hold of to say, oh yeah, I've been told and I now know it's true that the promises, that they're for me, not just for you. I want them to have something to lay hold of in the years when they wonder, when they go far from the Lord and commit all the daft, foolish, sinful tomfoolery that most of us have committed at one point in our lives. We want them to have something to lay hold on to know that they can always return. <laughs> because no matter what they've done, the promises still belong to them. God gives them this receipt. And so we think it's good for them to have it. So if you haven't baptized your kids yet, Andrew Kiesling at cspc.net. Number three, kids and adults, I guess. But kids, if you have been baptized, remember that you still need to come to faith that we don't think baptism is what saves you. What, what saves you is Jesus, is Jesus. And he is inviting you to himself, but you need to respond to that invitation yourself. So you can think of baptism a little bit like an engagement ring, that God has given it to you and he said, be mine. But th that invitation doesn't make you married. You need to respond to that invitation yourself. You need to say yes by coming to him in faith. Then he will be your God and you will be one of his, his children. And my hope, you know, you would know not just that you can do that, but that you should do that today. Today, today is a really good day to become a Christian. It's a really good day to receive forgiveness from sin to receive the new life that Jesus offers you in him, to be free from guilt, to be free from shame, to get a fresh start, to be able to, to start again. Kids, adults, if you've been baptized, remember, we all still need Jesus. Fourth, finally, running out of time. If you've been baptized, okay, if you've been baptized and you are a Christian, then this morning, just celebrate God's grace. Celebrate God's grace. What do I mean by that? I mean, celebrate the fact that he 
he made promises to you in baptism, but you've now received these promises and, and they're yours forevermore. That you don't just have the, the sign and the seal, you have all that those things pointed you to. You don't just have the sign and the seal, you have the substance. You don't just have the receipt, you own everything in the store. So Jesus pointed you toward the promise of forgiveness and you have it. You have it full and free. Loved by him, no matter what your past, into all eternity. You have the freedom to enjoy the new life that God gives. It's yours. You have the power to persevere when times get tough. That's yours. You have the promise that you'll spend forever in heaven with him. It's yours. You have not just the receipt. You have the substance your receipt points you towards. So celebrate that. That when those waters with baptism were placed upon you, making promises on God's behalf, he has now kindly brought you to himself and made all those promises a reality in your life. And the next time we do baptisms here, celebrate the same. You know, this is why. <laughs> you know, we always do the, the Apostles' Creed and Andrew says, hey, stand and let's renew our baptism vows. And half of us stand and think, I'm not exactly sure what we're doing. Right. What, what is this? What is this moment? What is this thing? Well, we're standing up and we're confessing what we believe. <laughs> we're saying, hey, the promises that were made to me are not just promises that I've heard. They're promises that I uh, now believe. That the grace that was given to me in this sign and this seal has become mine in the substance of Jesus. I don't just have the receipt. I own the entire store. These promises are not just offered to our kids. We are reminded of them as well. Okay, we're done. Um, nearly. Okay. When, uh, <laughs> when you text someone this week, remember, God is the God who hears me. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last week's sermon. Okay. This week, when you shop and get a receipt, remember, God is also the God who will be heard. And what he has to say to you is an assurance of his promises and an assurance of his love. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for these uh, wild, confusing, baffling sections of scripture because they actually teach us beautiful things about you. A God who is not just content to make promises from afar, not just content to love us from afar, but a God who has drawn near to us that we might believe that these things are true. And so, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. When we doubt your goodness toward us, when we doubt your affection toward us, um, Lord, when we find ourselves spiritually numb or, or even bored, uh, help us to remember the promises that are ours in Christ. And we thank you for the gift of baptism, uh, this physical marker that helps us believe. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.